episode of Space Spinner 2000, the podcast where we try to make sense of UK Zone Galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This episode, we're taking a break from the weekly progs and once again venturing into the exciting world of special editions. In this case, the 1989 Winter Special. It's the second Winter Special, and it's a real boom-bust publication, mixing side stories from low-priority thrills with some extremely dense filler and even some reprint filler. Oh, I shake my fist. Um, as I said, with last year's Winter Special, this one feels like a, a cash grab to me, taking advantage of the annual heavy winter, winter market in British comics because it's £2.25, and that makes it cheaper than the £4 annuals, but also three times as expensive as the equally sized specials from the summer, which are 80 pence. But enough of my conspiracy theories about uh, <laughs> 19, about late 80s comic pricing, because I'm bouncing off the walls to introduce my guest for this episode, 2080R droid Chris Weston! Welcome Hello! to the show! Hooray! Hello! Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you so much for for coming on. I I I, I really appreciate it. We've been a huge I'm, I'm fan of your work um, so, so far in 2000 AD. Oh, thanks very much. Yeah, you've um, you know this in 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 this is coming out in like fall of '89. So I think you've just started. Like oh your, boy, I was very I was twenty, very young. I know it's very. Um, uh, I was I was I was talking to my to my podcast um, um, co-host Fox, and I was saying that oh I'm sure like I look at my um, at like our early podcasts from four years ago, and I kind of cringe. I can only imagine looking back at them from thirty years ago. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, no, it, it is a painful process to actually look back on this work. <laughs> oh. oh. I'm sure. I, I, I'm sure. Although you know, even for for us who who it's new to, as we're reading through, we are really enjoying it. I'm even even if you if it maybe be be cringy to you here in the future. Uh, <laughs> it's not. I, don't, I, I hate it all until we get to Killing Time. Pretty much. Mm-hmm. I think Killing Time is. Uh, I, I've always said. I think that's the point where you know the thing I do finally you know that makes it exclusive me exclusively me mm-hmm. you know begins to emerge and i think that's where my own artistic uh voice uh you know rises out of the uh various influences yeah. <laughs> i was channeling interesting yeah i'd love to i'd love i'd love to hear whose influences you're you're you're, you're channeling under when we get to the uh to this rogue trooper story oh, later in in the episode i'm sure like, yes I'm sure it's uh, 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 a challenge. I, I wonder if, if 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 you could share some of your uh, your history with a uh, with a uh, comics and art um uh, um with us before we get started. All right. So um, I, I think it's a it's a it's a well told story. I think uh, most people probably know I was a apprentice to the artist Don Lawrence, mm-hmm. who was most famous for doing a strip called The Trigon Empire in the. 60s and 70s, and then went on to do a strip called Storm in Europe. He was a massive comic book star in Europe, not really known in America, unfortunately. That might change now because I've just brought out a Trigon Empire 
reprint book, haven't they? Yes, yeah. I've, I'm, I'm excited to read that. It. Yes, it's it's so funny that there's these different um, like comics cultures like around the different continents and stuff. Yeah. Um, where someone who 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 could be huge on the continent is, is unknown in in England or or, or America, and, and even a lot of uh, UK artists um, don't really move the needle that that much in England either. I remember trying to talk to people about like uh, Carlos Escara, for instance, who's who's yeah. mostly unknown here in the states. Yeah, yeah, we're done. It's so so well known in Holland, uh, where where Storm was originally published. Um, they ended up. Knighting him, you know the. the uh, oh wow! Yeah, he he got uh, he got made and you know like um, I don't know what the full title is um, the Order of the Orange Sect or something like that. <laughs> um, you know, for services to publishing because the the sales were so big on the Storm books. Oh, that's uh, amazing! Yeah, yeah, it's you know quite a, a massive start. Um, Chris Claremont did the only the closest he came. Um, Chris Claremont approached him about drawing the X-Men. And I think he considered it for about a minute (laughs) and then said, thanks, but no thanks. Oh, wow. That would be quite interesting to see. Yeah, what what could have been, for sure. Yeah, yeah. That's the closest he came to the American market. Oh, and also he was offered uh, the very first, Dark Horse Star Wars comic that, that Cam Kennedy went on to draw. What, what was that one called? Um, Dark Empire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he was offered that right back in the uh, late 80s, but he, he wasn't interested in that either. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so I did a year's apprenticeship uh, with him, and then through him, um, he helped me build a portfolio strong enough to get me work with... 2000 AD, and he, he got me various introductions, and, I, and so you know, very, very quickly went into 2000 AD. So that was your first uh, uh, professional comics job. Yeah, literally, Judge Dredd. Wow, just that's... just straight in the deep end. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. That's that's. I don't think I was ready for yet. it to be honest. <laughs> and uh, I, I think I, my, my early Judge Dreads were pretty bad. Well, you've probably reviewed them. You, 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 you probably, have you been through that? Oh, yes, yes. Um, uh, oh. Uh, Crazy Barry and Little Mo. One with giant worms that are like the city's garbage oh, disposals, I believe. <laughs> I, I, th- I, th- I, think I, I don't think I was ready, to be honest. Um, I mean, most new artists get given a good run on Future Sharks before they move on to Judge Dredd. But with me, it was straight in the deep end. Yeah, I was. I was. I. I honestly like like not having done a ton of research. Assumed you were a more experienced artist at that point, just because. Yeah, I think usually people start with some future shocks or other things like that before starting immediately. Yeah, yeah. Judge Dredd. And in fact, um, after a while, I think when I when I, I proved myself to be not quite up to the job, <laughs> <laughs> I was then taken off Judge Dredd and given some future shocks, and I think it. I, uh, and at the time, uh, I was quite crestful, and it, di- it did feel like some kind of uh, demotion. Hmm. But it, it was the the right thing to do at the time. It was the right thing for, for me to do. Uh, I just wasn't ready for Judge Dredd. Uh, so it, it, I was basically learning on the job, really. I didn't go to university. I, um, mm-hmm. I did two years at college, but I skipped university and pretty much went straight from college to a year with Don to – you know, doing this for a living, 
So all my improving, I mean, most people go to university for four years, don't they, and get do all their crap work where no one can see it. <laughs> right. but mine's right now. Well, we're, we're going to look at some in a minute, aren't we? So we there's, there's no hiding. <laughs> Although I, I, I'll say I've I've enjoyed a lot of your work that we've taught that that we've seen so far. Rough, you know, rough though. Though you may find it to be, I think it's been pretty great. I think your mo- the most recent story of yours that we've scene was a judge dread story about a guy who had a um electrified underpants oh like, yes <laughs> self-warming um self-warming you front yes, that caused yes. a massive disaster or something i mean i don't know i think it's a, 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 a lot of it's a lot of fun and i think we sort of appreciate it it it's a shock it's it's schlockiness at the very least yeah you know? yeah oh boy if i could only go back and redraw them do, do a george lucas and completely redraw them <laughs> Toss some dewbacks in there for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, amazing. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. Um. You know. I'm. 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 I've. I've. I've got some more specific questions about. Um. Ab- about this rogue trooper story coming up that I. That I'd, I'd really have to, to pick your brain about. Um. Mm. But be, before we get started, um. I guess I'd, I'd. I'd love to ask, what are you working now, and 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 where can we find your work if you know. I'm still where I right back where I started. I'm still working for 2018. <laughs> yes, lovely. Uh, yeah, um, I, I did a couple of weeks recently on uh, a, TV, a TV show for a science fiction show that I'm not allowed to talk about, but I think you could probably guess what it is. It's the one that rhymes with car doors, <laughs> uh, but I'm not allowed to discuss that, obviously. Mm. Uh, and then uh, obviously got all got shut down by COVID, so. Yeah, I'll come back to my first love, 2000 AD. <laughs> <laughs> always which there. They're very, they're very good to me. They always, they always take me back. Which, you know, I, you know I'm not like the wastrel son that turns up at the front door every now and then. They're, they're always very good and give me a bit of work when I need it. <laughs> as, as someone who's been that re- wastrel son in other situations, I can certainly empathize. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. So I'm doing a, uh, I'm drawing, um, just coloring up House of Dolmen for the Smash special, which is coming out in about uh, two weeks' time, I think. Oh, nice. That should probably have been out by the time I think that this episode goes live, because it'll go, come out in, in early June, I think, so. Okay, yeah, yeah. Excellent. So make sure to link to that in the show notes and so forth. Thank you. Awesome. So uh, uh, just so you know, this episode, um, we've just finished at... As we're as this episode's coming out, we've just finished our our final prog for 1989, number 659. So so choppers on the road to Super Surf 11. Uh, they're the, the superheroes are turning against each other in Zenith. Dreads oh yes, in a in, yeah in a Zenith Phase Three. Uh, Dreads dealt with a family affair. The dead man is getting some answers, and Anderson has dealt with the random man, the greatest scare story. And we're sort of. Right in the middle of uh, slaying the Horn God Part Two, we're sort of in, there's a there's a brief pause in the middle of that wow, of wow, the second yeah. book, so it's it's high times in the in the late eighties for two thousand AD right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, all those stories really stick in my memory because um, whenever I I used to finish a, an episode of Judge Dredd, I'd, I'd actually go up to the office and de- uh, deliver it personally. I mean, back in those days. Uh, you, you know, there was obviously no internet, mm-hmm. so you either posted your artwork in, or if you did, or just like I did, uh, you know, just jump on a train and go up to London and, and drop it into the office. Um, so I, I was quite a, you know, I was quite a regular in the office at that point, uh, and I'd always ask, so, oh, what, what have you got? 
hanging out at the moment, and they'd, they'd show me all the slain the horn god pages, and the I remember them showing me the dead man pages, and when they they showed me the reveal, it it turns out to be dread spoilers. Everyone, um, oh, no. uh, um, <laughs> it, it completely blew my mind. I was like, wow, that's that's amazing. So yeah, all all those stories are really have you know made a real deep impression on me. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that, that, panel, that panel of uh, Robot Archie making his entrance. Oh, the T-Rex, yes. <laughs> and and it's, I just like, oh, wow. Uh, Archie, I used to love him as a kid. It, it, it all completely blew me away. Absolutely. That um, I I feel like I'm learning so much in Zenith Phase Three just about all these random British comics characters, just to, yeah. to get and the I jokes that that Morrison's putting in there. No, ironically, they're all back, aren't they? Because um, they're re- you know recently repurchased by Rebellion. Yes, so uh, they're, all- they're in the Vigilance and other places, I think. Yeah, yeah they're all back to- in the fold again. Yeah, you know, it feels like they've come home, really. Definitely, yeah. It's time for more. Uh, you know, another another crisis on Infinite uh, Comics. Oh, yeah. Oh well, I, I'd lo- I'd love to see another Zenith book, but uh, I, I don't think that's going to be happening any any time soon. I think it. I don't even know what. <sighs> It's like I feel like even for the last time there was Zenith celebrity culture has gotten so crazy that that I'd love to see it if just to see what um you know mm. how Zenith has 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 merged with the Kardashians and other things in in that reality you know it's yeah feels rife but anyway I'm sorry <laughs> um so let's get started with with the special I guess it's got a cover by by Sean Phillips who oh yeah. Would go on to draw uh, Armitage and Devlin Waugh, among others. So he hasn't appeared in the in the progs yet. Um, character, no, no. character montage: We've got Dread, Rogue, and Tyranny Rex shooting in different directions. Dread looking extremely buff here. Yeah, even his costume has got veins. It's amazing. So he's popping out, you know. It's, it's <laughs> the buff. It's the it's the muscle costume for covers and stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, I hate Sean. He's a hor- horrible guy. I mean, just one of those people that's just. Uh, it, did, it never went through a crap phase. <laughs> the worst uh, kind of artist. Uh, you know, no you one likes that. Yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you can you can you can pick a you can pick any page of his artwork from any point in his career, and it's great. It's so annoying. <laughs> okay, I can imagine. Then on, on the inside cover, uh, Tharg reminds us that war is hell and wishes us peace on earth because this is, of course, the Christmas episode. Uh, table of contents, last stock imagery, but that takes us. Two, thrill one, Judge Dread. Oh, can we can I have a quick mention of uh, all the oh, really, uh, you, you know, the early use of computer uh, lettering and fonts, which I think is probably Steve Cook, isn't it? Yeah, the design, yes. and <laughs> which was really cutting edge in its day, but it's quite hard to look at now because they're doing that. They, yeah. They, Committing the ultimate thing, which is stretching the lettering. Yeah, the, 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 all of these annuals and specials over the last year or so have had these impossibly wide fonts. Yeah, <laughs> like, like yeah. sorry, just to get 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 font mad here because you now you've opened me up. But like, they've got these serifs and stuff, and just really, it makes it hard to read. And it's tough when there's like, all right, now we're gonna have a text feature. <laughs> it's yeah. just gonna be a short story in this font. It's like, oh my god. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's just your, uh, that, that top font is just your basic aerial black, isn't it? And 
but it's been stretched. Yeah, it's like it's they've taken like a four. It, it it's it's like it's like a movie that's been taken from four three to sixty nine, and just yeah. everything's real real wide. For my my uh, late missed father in law was a printer and designer, and uh, oh, he he'd stretch his fonts all the time. He used to drive me up the wall. <laughs> just you'd ask him to do a favor for you to you know print something out, and you, you'd get it back. And go, Why is he stretched the fonts? He loved it. He loved stretching <laughs> it. He used to he used to drive me up the wall. It does feel like very like oh yes it's it's 1989 we've just gotten these like 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 page designing software to be able yeah. to do these sorts of things. We're gonna use them. Yeah, it's not just like oh yes we've got the special typewriter for table of contents that we've used for the past yeah. 30 years or something. Yeah. Anyway, that's a little di- diversion there. No, absolutely. <laughs> Please feel free. Um, but that takes us to 301 Judge Dread, uh, uh, script robot oh. Alan Grant, art robot Arthur Ranson, letting robot Noel. Oh, amazing! Amazing. This is this one's called the Sa- the Santa Affair. I'm going to assume the letter is Tom Frame, just because that's always a safe assumption. Oh uh, yeah. For uh, Judge Dredd stuff, and he's working overtime with uh, old timey fonts for the narration here. Yeah, excellent Arthur Ranson. It's, it's early times oh, for him in the in the Prague for sure. Yeah, he didn't draw enough Dreads, did he? he did, I, I suppose he did a ton of Andersons, didn't he? But uh... yeah, I think. Honestly, I, th- I think most of his dread work is like in this special, and then in this yeah. year, in this year's annual as well. Yeah, Where's yeah. Got, a, got got another dread story. I love how his his realistic style and, and and the way he draws like judge helmets and uniforms have this re- have this contrast that that I think is really neat of just the the realistic and the fantastic. Yeah, yeah. No, I I, I love all his stuff. He's amazing. Really nice guy as well. Yeah, definitely. I know he's been he he had a, a lot of experience in other other comics and other sort of like uh, celebrity magazines, and was finally yeah eighty nine sort of the year showed up in two thousand AD. I mean, even back then, Arthur he probably won't thank me for saying this, but <laughs> he was considered a industry veteran even at you know, at this early point on during his time on two thousand AD. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was quite rare. I mean, two thousand AD it was quite rare for him to pick up artists who'd had careers on other things. I mean, most most of the big name 2000 AD artists pretty much earned their name on the comic. Mm-hmm. So it was quite rare for, for someone to come in who'd had, almost, you know, an entire career beforehand. You know, and yeah, wasn't, wasn't learning, wasn't, he wasn't learning his trade through doing 2000 AD. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, yeah, yeah, I, I know there's definitely a lot of homegrown artists or, you know, quote unquote homegrown, I guess, in 2008. Yeah, or, although I wonder how much of that is also like them having budget problems and need to get to, to get young guys in who work for less. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I think I think with, with, with in my case, I think I, I was just part of a wave. It, it was like we were like the second the second wave of 2008. Yeah. Arts. Pretty much, uh, because the first lot had all buggered off to America. Right, right. Uh, all the all the people from the launch of 2080, yeah, they're all drawn yeah. superheroes now. <laughs> it's time to bring so in. I think, I think, I think you know, I think there there was a vacuum to be filled when I came along, mm-hmm. and and also Bisley and and your Sean Phillips and your um, who else? You know, we say from that period. Um, I think of like a like a Steve Yole who did like yeah who, who yeah did Zenith. Um, I'm trying to think, like, I I think like um, oh geez, <laughs> angry yeah. at myself for not remembering everyone. Um, yeah, 
Anyway, the A-list had gone off to earn big money and draw things like Killing Joke and Watchmen. So there was no one left to draw 2018. So then complete chances <laughs> like me got a chance. Well, I, I think it's a good move just to get some fresh blood in there. You know, I've seen all these. I've seen a thousand b- ball and dreads, by God. But um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but so this this story sort of takes a a a a a, a, a trick from a from towards the night before Christmas. It's towards the night before Christmas, and all through the city, the fair lights sparkled, the snow lay so pretty. We got kind of a nice scene in an outdoor mall here. A little girl catches a sight, catches sight of Santa himself. She runs up to him, listing the gift she wants for Christmas and sees it's Judge Dredd in disguise with a bunch of other judges because they're all sort of waiting for, for some criminals that are about to show up. Um, yeah, Fat Blatt and his gangsters also dressed like Santa about to have a big uh, heist, basically. Mm. <laughs> but at the same time, on the roof, Cosmo P. Ker- P. P. Perman has caught his wife cheating on him and with his best friend who's also working as a Santa at this um, <laughs> department store. <laughs> so the goons enter the store. The judges go into motion to stop them. And Cosmo takes aim with the man who cuckolded him but kills Fat Blatt the gangster instead. Judges move in. Cosmo still wants revenge. He opens fire. There's just this big scene of all these Santas dodging sniper fire. It's pretty excellent. Mm. Uh, Cosmo takes, kills his prey and the innocent owner of the store. And in desperation, Dredd shoots a sign behind, behind Cosmo that says Justice Department, that it reads, uh, the Justice Department says, have a lawful Xmas and takes a sniper out. <laughs> Dredd calls it in. Two dead judges, a few dead perps and innocents. And there's a great image at the end of the of the Christmas decorations reflecting off the back of Dredd's helmet. Oh yes, very nice. As the signs rehung, as uh, the, the the law's message is clear in this festive season. Even if your wife cheats, don't lose your reason. Even if you're hungry, don't be tempted or misled. For 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 Dredd will be watching, and you might end up dead. <laughs> <laughs> yes, great stuff. Important Christmas messages from Judge Dredd in 2000 AD. <laughs> That's Let's, very underground, man. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. It's. Uh, I feel like, yeah, he, like he, and 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 a little bit John Wagner as well. But I think mostly Grant loved these like songs and poems. Yeah. In the course of uh, Judge Dredd, or oh, and other things as well. I remember like the Robo Hunter story that were that that was basically a musical series and things. Oh like yeah. That. Just like ah yes, perhaps there is time for a song parody. Always. <laughs> um. So next. I'm trying to look oh, out. You know, the um, the perch where Cosmo's sniping from mm. looks familiar. And I never did work out where it's from. Is it, is it, it looks like a bit of architecture from Metropolis or something. Oh, yes. It's got this big, like, metal, like, a crown or construction or something, like a, yeah. like a metal tower or something. It's hard to get a sense of the – you don't mm. really get, get a view of the whole area. Yeah. From like where this sign is and stuff, so it's hard to get a, a, a full sense of the architecture. Instead, mm. just a lot of rooftops and giant pipes coming off of places and stuff. I always liked his version of Mega City One, though. It, it was really dense, wasn't it? Yes, d- full of these huge, yeah, like like imposing city blocks. I know we just mm. we just finished a Ranson story, um, and and Anderson story Triad, where a lot of the action also took place in a in a park, um, but but. Everything at the park was full of signs calling things in the park fake. So it's like, you know, you could buy fake seed to feed the fake ducks. And it's like stay off the yeah. artificial grass and things like that. 
Yeah, and they made it look very realistic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, realistic in its falsity. Oh, it's you know the the conundrum of Mega City One, I think, or this sort of the 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 dystopia that uh, Dread finds himself in. I guess mm. this takes us to uh, Thrill Two Celebrity File Lenny he- Lenny Henry. Oh God, I should read read this in my <laughs> yeah, interview with the uh, with, with the British comedian uh, uh, Sir Lenny Henry. Now, I, I I know he's a big star in England. Though he hasn't he, um, co-founded Comic Relief, though he hasn't made a, a a huge dent here in America. I suppose. No, no. I think I like I like Lenny. Though I think he's one of the good guys, Lenny. Yeah, definitely. And he seems to be really into comics. It's it's kind of funny yeah. because. In, in his interview, he calls out a lot of what I'd call like the uh, the highbrow late '80s comics, I guess, <laughs> like yeah. Watchmen and Dark Knight and Love and Rockets and Cerebus and Grendel and American Flag and things like that. Yeah, and he expressed an interest in um, buying the rights to Ministry of Space, which I drew at oh, one nice. point. Nothing came of it, <laughs> and, and that's literally all I know. I know. That, uh, oh, oh, you know, just someone just mentioned in passing, oh, I hear Lenny Henry's interested in it. And I was like, oh, that would be nice. But yeah. that's as far as it went. Mm. None of my creator-owned comics have been bought for or optioned for films or TV shows. Oh, dear. It's very sad. I'm, I... uh, always, was it always the bride? Always the bridesmaid of the bride? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's too bad. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then it's it's kind of funny because they have to sort of prompt him to talk about 2000 AD, and he's kind of oh, got, yes. like, "You have read some 2000 AD?" He's like, "Oh yes, like I've I've read Halo Jones, I think, and Dread seems 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 to be interesting and things." Yeah, and, he's clearly not a huge fan, is he? <laughs> there is one part where they say like, "Oh yes, we 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 showed him some of the some some of the horned god." He was like, "Ah yes, this is excellent." But it's funny because I think usually these specials are compiled in like the spring so the horn god hadn't even really come out yet come out yet so it was all sort of rushes and like advanced yeah. like uh pages and stuff and then he finishes up by uh he, he makes a, a a fair point about the need for more uh black comic book uh, uh writers and artists and a com- and a black comic characters as well which is a fair point yeah yeah and but then generally it, he seems really into comics generally which i think is really cool like um yeah, i don't know yeah. There's a – I remember I saw this – someone sent me this like uh, – it, it was a news magazine show from England in the 80s like called South of Watford or something. <laughs> and it was just a – it was just like a 1985 kind of thing of just like, ah, oh, yes, comics are growing up and not just for kids anymore. And like the punchline was like like uh, Lenny Henry shows up and talks to this guy about all, all the comics he's reading. That's pretty funny. <laughs> it's always, it's, at that point, if they wanted someone on TV to – uh, come and explain, you know, how comics were no longer for kids. They'd either get Lenny Henry or uh, Jonathan Ross. Okay, yeah, I feel like it's a, it's a, it, it. That's one of those evergreen, like a human interest stories. If you want to do it, like, like the comics aren't for kids. Yeah, like. yeah. Every every five years or so, everyone has to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But this then takes us to what what for me is is the is the star of this uh, special. Oh. God. Three, Ouch. three, Rogue Trooper. Ouch. Oh. <laughs> so painful. Script so robot painful. Steve Dillon, art robot Chris Weston, Lego record Robson as kid. Oh, oh. Right. Frequent uh, Rogue Trooper artist Steve Dillon is writing here. Artist seems fairly familiar. And now I've got some hard-hitting winter special questions for you. <laughs> oh, God, boy. I think I just, just got... Uh, I think when I drew this, I, 
I've just been to India. I think uh, in 1989, I, I buggered off. I, I took some of my early 2000 AD money, AD money and went to India. I can't remember if I drew this before or when I got back. Probably when I got back. So this was so 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 you were commissioned for this after you'd started write, drawing for for 2000 AD because sometimes in these specials we've had work that I'm pretty sure our people's like uh, like test yeah. test run for 2000. Oh right, no no, right. This, this definitely came along after. And this is this came along. I think this even came along after what I considered to be my uh, demotion, <laughs> <laughs> as we talked about earlier. Right. So do you remember when you had to ha- have the art in for this? I'm just trying – sorry, just these these specials mm-hmm. are very mysterious for me, so I'm always trying to like figure I, out timelines and other things like that. <laughs> Unfortunately not. No, no. No, I mm. – it was probably – I mean, if it was coming out the window, I was pro- probably drawing it during the summer. Mm-hmm. And then do you remember what the, what, what the process of – or did – did you work with Steve Dillon uh, 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 closely for this, or or, or what was that we, process? We had um, one phone call together before I started, mm-hmm. uh, which yeah, I think which I I probably instigated purely so that I could talk to Steve Dillon, who I was a <laughs> huge fan of. Uh, uh, you know, because he, he he was a legend. I mean, I, I think I kind of oh, well, I'm going to need to talk to Steve, <laughs> yes. and. Uh, uh, I mean, I, I mean, everyone knows that Steve is one of the loveliest men in comics, and we all miss him dearly. And he was just great to talk to, even from that early age, you know. Uh, I, I, the thing that impressed me most in that phone call was uh, he was very keen to give Rogue Trooper back some dignity, which he felt had been stripped from the character during the hit run. Mm, interesting. Uh, he, he absolutely, I don't think um, he'd mind me revealing this. He was not impressed with the scripts on the hit at all. And he hated the way uh, Rogue Trooper just seemed to be neutered and just like this depowered version of himself. Hmm. Yeah, and I think he even came up with an, an explanation for that because uh, I think yeah, during, in the in the in the pages of this comic it does, yeah, yeah, uh, he's got that um, readout device strapped to his arm. Yeah, from the aliens. Yeah, and so yeah, they say that it's yeah, it's been a, making him be, be 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 dumber and like less his less yeah, his normal self. Yeah, Steve came up with that idea to try just trying to explain just how lame Road <laughs> Trooper had become during uh, the hit. Uh, I, I think at this point, work had already begun on. Um, yeah, on the on the reboot of on the Road reboot Trooper. Friday. Yeah, um, it's actually yeah, been, yeah that that's actually like the first part. You know, it was it was, it was cut into like five pieces. Yeah, the first part has already come out. Yeah, so this is very yeah. much yeah. So that uh, that that was out. Um, so this was just a case of wrapping up the old one. Yeah, did you did you know that that this was going to be for like the winter special, or or was it supposed to have been? Oh in, yeah, in the definitely. Front? Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I was delighted to get to get the job. Really, <laughs> I mean, I it's, really it's an important capper to this to this big character. Although it's a bummer yeah, that, that yeah. it's in in the special where it's, it's a little harder to see. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I, th- I mean, I'm a thing, I think. I mean, I think. I mean, I've got nothing but praise for. War Machine, as it was called. Uh, I think that was a, that was a great reboot of um, Rogue Trooper. Yeah, written by 
by Gibbons with art by uh, Will Simpson, yeah. I believe. Oh, in fact, I, I remember going into the office and then showing me the sample page that Dave Gibbons had drawn of War Machine. Ah, interesting. I don't know if I, I've seen uh, that it one. Has, it has appeared. It's in the front cover of one of the Road Trooper annuals, or, or the single Road Trooper annual. Um, okay. It's, it's, it's an amazing year, yeah. painting by Dave Gibbons of the Friday version of Rogue Trooper wading through this river of blood, a picture I've probably ripped off several times since. <laughs> and, I mean, to see Dave Gibbons do a full-colour painting was quite rare, uh, and it was beautiful, absolutely beautiful. And at that point, he was still thinking about um, whether he was going to draw the strip himself. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting that both, like, I've, both the Rogue Trooper stories we, we've looked at between this and... And War Machine are both written by by the series by stories by, by the series longtime artists. It's kind of an interesting, yeah. like a like a thing. Just that you know, artists taking over these these writing roles for this guy. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think both uh, both stemmed from a dissatisfaction of what was being done to the character at the time. Yeah, I know the the hit story is very controversial in terms of just like I know we always felt like it. There were parts of it that like didn't make sense or that it had trouble sort of find figuring out what it wanted to be like like from or I don't know just like once Rogue got the Trader General, I feel like he's been sort of spinning his wheels. Gender like like the character had been spinning its wheels for like years now. Yeah, but the trouble with Rogue is he's kind of yeah he's kind of it's kind of a, he's he's a finite character, isn't he? Once he's completed his mission, you know either in War Machine to avenge his dead buddies or in the original Rogue to kill the Trace General. There's, there's, there's not much you can do with him. I mean, with what Gordon Rennie's doing the right thing, where you're just telling different stories, but in, in the, the Rogue Trooper universe. Yeah. yeah I always, he's kind of a finite character, really. Yeah, definitely. I always compared the, those Rogue Trooper stories to being like the, uh, the TV show The, the Fugitive. Yeah, where, where it's very like the story is about this guy trying to find the the man who murdered his wife and just kind of getting into adventures along the way. But once he finds like the one armed man, like like that's that should be it, you know? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. And in fact, the Fugitive works better as a single film, you know, like the Harrison Ford version. Right. Yeah, it because becomes weird when there's like eighty different adventures of him rolling into a town that's not involved yeah, with the one armed yeah. man and just solving people's problems. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> It's a character I'm very fond of, though. Yeah, I think Rogue's really interesting 2000 AD character. He's one of these, you know, he's one of the, for me, he's, he's one of the Mount Rushmore 2000 AD characters, one of the top guys that's just sort of is mm. so, so continually in the, in, in the comics and is always evergreen to be brought back. I just like the war stories and, you know, being like mm. the general setting of New Earth just lets everything be kind of weird and science fiction-y, I guess. Yeah, yeah. To tell these sort of war is hell, hell tales. <laughs> yeah. But so now we're at last concluding these hit stories. The the last hit. Oh, yeah. Hit four was in 603. And then we had uh, the flashback to uh, to Cinnabar with John Smith and, uh, and, and Steve that was, Dillon. I loved that. That was great. Definitely. It's very rogue at, at like rogue hitting rock bottom and then coming back and just massive slaughter at the end. <laughs> very like uh, uh, John Smith being John Smithy, I think. Yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> that I'm sure, you know, from, from Indigo Prime as well, where it just sort of, he's, he can tell a story in a, in a really amazing way. Mm. 
Um, and we've just had the, uh, the, the first four parts of, uh, of, of, of War Machine as well. Mm. But, did we, uh, so did War Machine come after Cinnabar? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes, uh, Cinnabar was like in the 640s, I want to say. Yeah, and then, but it was still a flashback story, wasn't it? Because it yeah. still went back to full... Because they said it's, yeah, it's it's full New Earth, so it's still, yeah. like, and it said flashback in the titles and things like that. Like, they were very, yeah, yeah, yeah. very keen to say, oh, yes, this has nothing to do with that hit storyline. Like, forget about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. So, yeah, so Rogue has been killing dudes for aliens in the name of peace, and now he's on Earth for his final target. Uh, we start off with a bunch of guys in paramilitary gear and so with, with sort of a, a paramilitary gear thing going, thinking they have Rogue cornered. They shoot a bunch of bullets at them. A lot of good, good uh, gun sound effects here. Bracas, potatoes, oh, yes. tubes. Yes. <laughs> Very important for war fighting. But yeah. you know, Rogue just does this thing where he burrows under people and then comes out, you missed, <laughs> and shoots them all down. That's the, the, the only good panel I've drawn in this really and um, it's been reprinted quite a lot since that that you missed panel yeah good just a uh, full full figure of rogue here shooting out yeah they, they, got, they got their money's worth out of that panel because it's been on the cover of like the best of 2018 it's been on the cover of road trooper reprints I think it was on a banner <laughs> at one point oh ridiculous um, but he, he kills all these guys and he comes under sniper fire. He tries to fight the sniper, but then gets interrupted by some guy <laughs> in a, in a sci-fi trench coat and fedora, I guess. By a drunk guy. Drunk guy, just like, hey, you want a drink? And yeah. this, this gives the biochips and uh, a, a chance to explain what their deal is, I guess. <laughs> so painful to look at. Oh. And then the late, the, then a lady shows up and it's, oh. Yeah, this lady that's been in sort of the background, like she, she's from the Seekers, which has been on the periphery of this Rogue Trooper hit storyline, but never really influenced them directly. And she kind of exp like recaps all that as well. Just got some yeah. some some info dumps here talking about it. <laughs> yeah. And then she says what we are talking about where, where uh, Rogue, you've lost your edge, even though you've done these 11 targets. She sort of brings up an early part in the hit where some guy with a mop knocked Rogue out. Oh, uh, yeah. Very embarrassing. <clears throat> and then, you know, she kind of proves her point by just kicking him right in the face. You know, good way to prove your point. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, boy. And then she basically says that, yeah, that the um, that the wrist dealy that it like lists his targets yeah. and lets him teleport and stuff has been like dampening his mind. For yeah. That's Steve's idea. Definitely rogue takes it off and shoots it. And it explodes. It was a booby trap. Yeah. And, and she, now we can get a full power rogue trooper just doing what he does best, really just killing everything. Absolutely. As we go after who's still his final target, who was this evil, like Elvisy, Elvisy dude with a, with, with, with a top knot or man bun or something. Yeah. That's been, controlling the seekers this whole time but it also made a deal with the aliens to sell humanity out to them and stuff like that um oh steve having to look at my artwork on his script <laughs> oh, oh, I, think it, I, think, I think it's got a, it's it, it's charms i think i like this dude's crazy fedora and stuff it's excellent got a sh oh. trench coat with big shoulder pads you know very oh, very the future through 1989 i think <laughs> Luckily, I was always all right at storytelling. You know, I think you can always tell what's going on in my strips, but yeah. the actual uh, 
illustrations themselves aren't that hot. I mean, I'll say, like, especially going forward in the years through through 2000 AD, I think uh, uh, clear storytelling is an an, an undervalued um, um, skill sometimes. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's worth it. Um, Anyway, they they need to find a way to find, to kill this man bun guy, and luckily the old drunk just happens to know the ba- the, the back way in, which is handy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we we jump in to what I think is, is kind of a cool fl- a sp- splash page again, just sort of rogue and and the lady just sort of blasting their way through everybody. That's all right. <laughs> gonna gonna make you like it, <laughs> <laughs> but. They decide to split up and have um, Rogue kind of go to find this guy at the end. Breaks into the mainframe, has Bagman find the information like, like a common R two D two. You know, just sort of standard mm. Death, Death Star protocols here. Um, and finally, takes an elevator up to the final boss fight. And when he gets there, everybody, you know, there's like a, a thousand dudes with guns aimed at Rogue Trooper. Like they tell him to surrender. It's like they don't know us very well, do they, boys? And then implements a combat montage and just kills everybody real fast. Yeah. Next thing you know, he's he's knee deep in corpses and making his way to the uh, to the final boss. Yep. Um, oh boy. When he gets there, um, the alien collaborator tries to like blow Rogue's mind with information about all these evil aliens. But Rogue already knows that stuff, so he doesn't care. It's like whatever. He tries to run and like close the door, close the sliding door behind him. But Rogue keeps it open by tossing Helm under there. All right, Helm. Helm's being helpful. It never happens. Yeah. Sort of a reverse Indiana Jones here with the, yeah. the hat keeping the door open, mm. <laughs> closing behind it. But in the end, Rogue uh, catches up to the top knot guy, reprograms his escape ship to set him to New Earth, where he'll meet a fate worse than death. And then yeah. uh, the rest of the bad guys surrender, and all's w- and the and the, and the hit's over, all success. And in the epilogue, Rogue tells the chips, "Ah, oh, you guys, like you know, my mission's over." I'm going to leave you with this um, assassin lady at uh, this drunk I just met, and I'm going to walk off into the sunset. Mm. <laughs> and he disappears, the, the rogue, the, the, uh, the, the chips begging him to wait, but he doesn't. He goes. And that's the last we saw of him. We could flash forward to a year later where the drunk guy has, has sobered up um, and used his recovered skills as a genetic engineer to regene the chips. Oh, they're cute babies in a drawer. Mm-hmm. Wow, he's still wearing his hat as well. Oh well, I mean, just because you've stopped drinking is no reason to give up <laughs> a boss fashion sense, you know. Yeah. <laughs> still got to look good, you know. Mm. But the the biochips are now babies, and someday they'll grow up to reclaim their war gear, and it's a bright future for Rogue Trooper, I guess. Yeah. But they ended up coming back, didn't they? And it- yeah, they'll they'll eventually. I think yeah, Rogue and four Regine chips. And I yep. think Venus Blue Jeans also somehow will show up on Friday someday. Friday. Yeah, it was it was a disaster, wasn't it? This is after Friday gets uh, biochips of his own, which he doesn't have during War Machine, but kind of oh. gets later on. Yes, and I brought them back. Yeah, you so, drew several of those comics, as I recall. Yes, it was, it was, <laughs> it's during my time on uh, Friday Rogue that they brought the biochips back and gave him his Mohican haircut. 
back as well. His all, mohawk. All the things to, uh, yeah, to, yeah. to sate longtime readers. They're like, Rogue Trooper's different. I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so I got to kill off the old Rogue Trooper and then turn <laughs> the new Rogue Trooper into the old Rogue Trooper. I, I I'm like, I'm like some kind of war criminal. It's like some. It's like one of the. It's like that. Uh, that a uh, Batman thing of like living long enough to see yourself become the villain. You know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and I remember. I remember them talking about it in the office saying, "Oh, we 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 don't know what to do with Road Trooper because everyone's asking how it fits, how Friday fits into the continuity with the new Road Trooper." And I thought, just don't bother. Do you know? It's a reboot. Yeah. And they said, "No, no, we've." We, you know, the fans are demanding that it's all explained, so we've got to find a way to explain it. You know, and, and I suggested that they should have a, a a scene where a bunch of southern soldiers, before they go into war, they're watching all these sort of um, propaganda films to get ah, themselves pumped up for action. Yeah. And I thought the propaganda films should be the adventures of the old road trooper. Right, they've been they've been sanitized or something versus the yeah, gritty, the yeah. gritty Friday stories. Interesting. I thought that because I thought that that was a way of explaining it in just three panels, but uh, no, they wanted to get more complicated than that and actually have the two different road troopers meet each other. If I know if I, if I know one thing <laughs> about comics, and it's not just 2000 AD, it's it's every comic book. It's that um like fans love complicated uh, uh, continuities and yes. and 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 like things that that are canonical and not because you just you need to argue about those things. You know whether it's on the schoolyard in the comic book shop or online. Like you know, I mean, really, they shouldn't have carried on after War Machine, but the War Machine is a perfectly perfectly adequate ending, isn't it? There's not. Yeah, I think it's 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 been a while since I've read the whole story, but I I I remember liking it at the time. But I think you know, there's just like I I gotta think that the, that also the 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 editor like editorial's got to be getting letters from people being like, "Where's Rogue Trooper?" You know, he's a character. Yeah. He was in the comic like straight for like six years or something. Yeah, yeah. So it's got to be hard to. You know, people want it's it's it's, it's going to be hard to not give people what they want and just say like, "Oh, sorry, Rogue Trooper's dead." Like that's kind of the end of it. Yeah, so you've got to keep doing rubbish ones. So eventually, they're begging you not to do it. <laughs> well, especially for for a character who doesn't have like a who who has less of a set creative team, you know, because yeah, like at this point, um, you know, it wasn't like like Jerry Finley Day wasn't you know had written it for in, in years and years and things, so it was much more of a like you know up for grabs and as opposed to maybe something that's more associated with a certain writer, like like yeah. Various Pat Mills characters or something like that. Mm. But from the war with Rogue to war in general, we go to Thrill 4, Battleground Part 2, and Mega City Sport. And we've just reached the uh, the the frothy filler sections of this special. Oh, yes. <laughs> like, very much um, things to, once you've read the comics and it's sort of afternoon on Christmas Day and you've gotten this special for Christmas, you can sort of read these to pass the time or something like that. Yep. So, Battleground 2000 is a rundown of most, if not all, of the wars and battles in 2000 AD using recycled artwork from previous things. You got ABC Warriors, Battle Plan from the Judge Child, Apocalypse War, Bad Company, Atomic War, and Ancient Dread History, even my own beloved Bill Savage in this section. Oh, yeah. Uh, then an ad for the Sega Master System. <clears throat> and this takes us to an issue of Mega City Sport. 
<laughs> yes. We saw an issue of this of, of of this tabloid in this year's Dread Annuals. There's some sh- random short articles, but surely the star of this show, and no offense, this whole special is the center spread of Side Judge Cassandra Anderson, just, you know, yeah. with uh, with ghosts and her shoulder eagle covering her boobs and wearing a Justice Department standard issue uh, G-string and so forth. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, I, my God. <laughs> Always Beautifully go- drawn by uh, Gary Leach. Absolutely. Yes, It's this one's great just because if you want to r- really blow up a, a, a Judge Dredd um, Facebook group or um, like a Twitter thread or something, you put this picture in and everybody has has opinions about it. It's very good. Yeah. Are you aware of it? It's a spoof of a British newspaper called The Daily Sport. The, uh, yes, yes. Um, I, yeah. I, 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 I don't think they had page three girls, but I know that they had similar things. Oh, they were even – yeah, they were – I mean – they were really salacious. Every every story was mined for its sexual content. Yeah the the uh, the previous version of this in the Judge Dread Annual had a had a story that was mirroring I think the daily the the, the daily sports famous one of like a submarine found on moon. Yeah, yeah. It was like H wagon found on moon or something like right. that. Like like they made it Judge Dread themed. You know. Mm. Um, I wonder if <laughs> I mean. Knowing how much Gary Leach likes drawing beautiful women, I wonder if he just painted this for fun and then showed it to Two Thou, and they thought, "Oh, we love it, but we need to put some, we need to find some sort of context to print it with." So <laughs> I, I wonder if it was that way around. Uh, yeah, it it very much seems like something that yeah that that could be a private commission or just mm. for fun or something. It's definitely the most. Um, the most uh, 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 centerfold of these centerfolds that we've seen, like we've had mm. previous ones that were just sort of like a regular old Halo Jones picture or something like that, but nothing so so salacious. I think it's very mm. like ah yes, like you know our readers are growing up, so we got to get something to lock in to lock them into this special, you know? Yeah, <laughs> a very underrated artist, Gary Leach. Yeah, definitely. I love his his stuff. He did did some early Miracle Man, I think, as well. Yeah. As Know, know him as the artist for. And his Judge Dreads are amazing. He did that one with, with the Munts Factory, with, or, you know, where Dreads hanging off that hook and he's got, yes. um, he's got stripy socks on. Yes, yes, yes. The, the return of Whitey, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and he drew the one with uh, Michael Jackson, Jackson Prince. <laughs> the song Michael Jackson. Yes, absolutely. Oh, man. And he, did, and he did the 50 foot woman. I mean, he's great at drawing sexy women, Gary. There's, you know, there, there's an increasing number of those. I feel like in 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 eighty nine two thousand A D. Like I think this year we had the, uh, like we had we had two David Roach, um, Judge Andersons as well, who draws, you know, drew like mm. Anderson in, in like like a party dress going out on the town and stuff like that. Yeah, like it's very much a. Uh, very much like like something bringing. I think like you know I'm I I always theorize it's sort of to appeal to to more mature readers and things. It's like all right, we've got to sort of get some more ladies into this. <laughs> into this yeah. Thing. If just because other comics are certainly ratcheting that up in in the superheroes and stuff like that. Mm. And, and and like you said, I love that the, uh, the 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 text in the centerfold explains how they got this issue of just like some some psychic automatic drawing it from his visions and then. <laughs> In the next page, there's a there's a censored box basically saying that uh, all these newspapers have been pulled off the street, and the editor of this magazine is now doing twenty years in the cubes because of the Judge Anderson image. <laughs> like there's immediate justice for it. 
Mm. <laughs> it's fun stuff. And this takes and us- McKenzie probably wrote all that stuff. I believe so. Yeah, I think he's um, as as sub editor. He's like the the, the sub editor does, does 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 a lot of the text in this in mm. for these specials and annuals. Very much mm. much what's to hand. You know, they don't really hire freelancers for it for the most mm. part. I think I'm trying to save some money, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> but this takes us to uh, Thrill Five Medevac Dispatches. Yeah, by Bellardinelli. Yeah, art by Bellardinelli, written by Hillary Robinson, letter about Gordon Robinson, his kid. Um, more special work by by Bellardinelli. He's sort of his uh, final work in a regular series. Uh, Moonrunner yeah. was in '89, and he's done a bunch of specials stuff or or stuff for the specials this year and in '89 as well. He had two Moonrunner stories, and then this one. We're sort of at the at the end of his time in 2000 AD. Sadly, yeah, yeah, he'd kind of fallen out of favor by that point. I think with two thousand. Yeah, I think he, you know, he's one of these. He he he's the last of the uh, of the Prague One artists. Yeah, so, yeah, it's a shame. And so, and I understand he took it pretty badly at oh. the time. Yeah, we've been following his. You know, he's he he's been a favorite of ours over the years. So it is a bummer to see him sort of. Yeah. Reach the end here. Yeah, no, it's sad. I mean, looking at this page, it's it's good stuff. There's you know, there's not there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah, I think it's 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 very much uh, uh, Bell Arginelli stuff where sort of there mm. there can be some 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 stiffness even in things that that yeah. that, that are in motion. And I it for me it's a very classic style, but also one that is that because it's a classic style, I worry that people trying to trying to chase the new or what or what's trendy might yeah. not like it as much. You know? Yeah, yeah. I think I think the readers have fallen out of love with it. Yeah, everybody's looking for 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 the new stuff. These yeah. kids. <laughs> of course, I mean, and, and Nigel Dobbin, the late, recently departed Nigel Dobbin, mm-hmm. was the main artist on Medivac. Yes. He was an artist and never really thought got his due, really. No, he did some stuff for 2000 AD for sure, but yeah, he definitely. I've I've really enjoyed his stuff um, that we've seen so far in the progs as well, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and I think he's quite underrated. Yeah, it's tough. Everybody, you know, everybody ends up working under, under the, or uh, I don't know sort of end up with like a couple of stars and then everybody else is sort of working away, I guess, just plugging away in, in, um, in these thrill mines, you know? <laughs> mm. I think um, Hillary might have got the rights back to Medivac. She, she, yeah, she always had the rights. She had sort of... Um, right. Like that's sort of what, what... She's a bit more savvy than the rest of us then. <laughs> it really seems like it. She kind of, I don't know. From, from yeah. what I can see, she she kind of came into 2000 AD with her with her eyes open, I guess. Yeah, not like me. And she only like wrote stories with characters that she had already written about in other situations because all of her stuff was. Um, yeah. I mean, she she did one story that uh, the the Mean Arena story with uh, Ron Smith that was using existing characters, but all of her new stuff was character or was was with characters. I think that she'd. Um, yeah. Yeah. Done elsewhere. Maybe not Chaos Carnival, but definitely um, Zippy Couriers and and three one eight. Have what? you any idea what happened to her? Um, I I believe she she went on to writing other things. I um I I forget exactly. There there was an interview with her kind of recently in 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 the magazine, right? Um, and I and I know she's still writing. It was one of these things where like I know around like Prague seven hundred or so, they basically said like we'd like someone else to write Medivac. And she said no, and they're like, "Well, you know, you don't have, you, you don't have a choice." Sorry, she's like, "Actually, I do because I have I own the copyright to it." And that was kind of the end of Medivac and her time in 2000 AD, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting. I think she's a really interesting author. Like her, um, 
these story, like all of her stories feel very different on the 2000 AD page than everything else in the Prague, I think. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, for her being so savvy. Definitely, yeah. Well, I, I mean, it's something that it's, it's kind of interesting because it ended up not being helpful for her comics career, I guess. But, no. <laughs> but I think it is something that, I don't know, it's, it's an unusual situation to read about in, in British comics, especially <laughs> where yeah, yeah, there's yeah. so much talk of people being totally screwed out of copyrights and, and residuals yeah. and things like that. That's very interesting. Definitely. Um, so this story, um, it's a spinoff of 318 focusing on a lion man, Perry, who's like an alien guy. See a, a human jet fighter uh, crash after being shot down by generate uh, ships. And yeah. and uh, then at a command post, a general asks Perry to get the pilot because the pilot's carrying an experimental chemical that kills generate but doesn't affect humans. And Perry's mission is basically to get the flask. And if you can get the pilot too, that's fine. But mostly we need this uh, chemical warfare agent. Mm. So we see the pilot in the cockpit and he's like trapped. As the generate menace him, he keeps the aliens at bay with the fire extinguishers built into his ship. As Perry arrives and only agrees to free the pilot if he gives him the nerve gas, the uh, the uh, the uh, chemical warfare flask, you know, before mm-hmm. he's he's freed. Then they they take him, you know, he goes up. They so he does. They free him, and he goes up on an ambulance with our fr- with the regular characters from Medivac three one eight. It's kind of an interesting thing of how I guess. It's a war between these two people on the planet. There's a larger like confederacy government over it. Mm. Perry's was basically like, I've got to, you know, I, I can't let chemical warfare break out. So it's a little bit of what we get in Medivac, which is this attempt at having more serious conversations about war and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. In the, as, as well as sort of more standard adventure fare, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Because just like, I guess other like, other medevac stories have dealt with like um anti vivisection ideas and mm. about um the the complicated nature of like how to, how to make peace with enemies and things like that and mm. so it's interesting to have sort of an anti chemical warfare <laughs> um story like mixed in with what could just be a very, what could otherwise be a very standard like uh you know search and rescue story just yeah. this added moral layer to it i suppose that I think is very, very common for Robinson in her in her three in her Medivac three one eight stories. It's very interesting. Yeah, did, it's a, it says at the end Medivac three one eight new series coming soon. Did did that series ever come? Or yes, um, you did. Right. Yeah, I. Um, it's in in ninety, I believe, sometime in like the six seventies or something like that. I think. Mm, mm. Let me double check that, but I'm pretty sure. Then Nigel Dobbin went on to draw Trash. What was it called? And. Uh, the Gronk. Yes. Yeah, no, very underrated artist, I think. Yeah, he's done a, 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 a bunch of stuff. I remember even recently, yeah, he did like uh, some, some ace trucking as well. Hmm. Like prob- uh, 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 shortly be- be- before his death, I think. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, some good stuff. I just, yeah, it's, it's, it's fun to see these, old, these artists move on to other things as well. Yeah. But let's move on uh, just to, to more filler here with Th- Thrill oh, yeah. 6, Ghostbusters 2 Special, Battleground Part 2, Profile Simon Bisley, and Arms Buyer's Almanac 2106. <laughs> so, oh, yes. More filler sections here. Uh, first, it's uh, pretty common annual, isn't it? Uh, it's, it's pretty common for, for most annuals and specials, honestly. You have maybe three, two, or three, two, three, four, maybe new stories, and then a lot of text features. 
a lot of different things. We were spared an actual like a sto- like a short story in this one, which tends to just be ah uh, real killers in terms of momentum yeah. going forward. Have you read Have you reread the, the Simon Bisley interview? Yes. Yeah, it's interesting. Definitely. Yeah. First, there's a quick there's a featurette with some production stills on ghostbusters 2 more 2080 battles with reused um art a lot of uh, feeds the eastern front yeah. there and yeah and then this uh uh bisley interview i guess i i i like how it opens with how did you get into comics and uh, did, did you get a lot of flack from your mom about it yeah <laughs> and he kind of talks a lot about um some of his influences a lot it, actually a lot of conan which is kind of interesting which then b- feeds into his uh into his mm. horror god stuff um, I, mean, he, I mean, his effect on the comic was seismic, wasn't it? Absolutely, yeah. I always there's definitely a yeah before and after moment. Definitely, I you know it's not it's 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 maybe not the nicest comparison, but I I I've said that he's the uh, the Rob Liefeld of a British comics. Yeah, like, yeah. Not in terms of the like with a stylized art style, but also one that then future like so many future artists go on to, to try to do their versions of. Yeah, yeah. Like I definitely feel like there's a point where in 2000 AD there's just a ton of of uh, artists that are that, that are going for a Bisley style. Oh yes, there was there was there was a lot of acrylic artwork, acrylic that, fully painted muddy artwork in the comic after that. Fully painted, muddy, everybody's real the- bendy things like that. <laughs> printed on paper that didn't quite do it full justice. Testing the uh, the limits of uh, printing processes. I, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think um, going back to Killing Time, um, I think I think I, I think I was I was one of the few people not ripping off uh, Bisley at the time. I think that's why people. I think it's, someone told me it's one of the reasons why they responded to Killing Time hmm. yeah. so well. It, it well, wasn't it was more of the same. Good. Yeah, interesting. So the comic was full of sort of Bisley clones at that point. And um, while I admired Bisley, I had absolutely no interest in drawing like or painting like him whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just carried on doing my own thing, sort of developing my own thing. And I, I was still sticking to that sort of line and colour thing. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, I think that's one of the reasons... And with, with with the primitive printing, I think the line and colour uh, actually came out looking better than fully painted artwork at the time. So that's, I think I did myself a favour there, really. Yeah, that's really interesting. Just the idea, yeah, that you have to remember the uh, the, the medium that the the art will end up on, not just what you're drawing it on, I guess, but 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 yeah. where it'll be when, when when it comes out. That's very. I don't know. I I never thought of that. that that's actually really interesting. Just the um. What you have to keep in mind for this kind of thing? I think I think a lot of Slain and a lot of War Machine really suffered from the printing. Mm-hmm. And you see them in later editions, um, uh, right, where things can be brighter and sharper. They look, they look so much better. Yeah, I know that's I, sh- surely that, that 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 that's part of why the Horde God gets reprinted so often, is just to make sure that those are available to people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, uh, interesting stuff for sure. I don't. Uh, um, it's interesting to read, like, just, I don't know, Bisley talks about how Pat Mills sent him, like, a library of uh, of a Celtic history. Oh, yes. <laughs> to prepare for Slade and things. I know he's a, a an obsessive planner for those sorts of, for, for, for those yeah. sorts of uh, stories. 
And then um, finally, there's this arms buyer got arms buyer's almanac for 2106. Oh yeah, is that that's a reprint from an annual, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, this is from yeah. the uh, from the 1985 Judge Dredd annual. So I'm like angry because it's like four years before. <laughs> um, uh, well, th- that was 85, so it came out, and th- that was the 85 annual, so it came out in 84. So it's actually like, uh, yeah, like f- yeah, five or six years before. Yeah, but it's very interesting. Like as much as 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 I I, I shake my fist at um, reprinted. Um, <laughs> A reprinted filler of all things. I do like this article just because it has the look of like I don't know, like 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 role playing game source books from my youth yeah, or something. Yeah, just it these does. different weapons and things like that. Like I don't know, a cyberpunk Chromebook or something like that. But um, a very nice drawing of a Manta tank, which was brand new at this point. I love that it's yeah. like a it's a a version of the cutaway drawings that would be in like battle or something of like yeah. a fighter jet, but of the <laughs> of this Manta tank. And I, I wrote and drew that um, Cadet Dread versus Grudzilla story uh, last year, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and I put a Manta tank in there, and completely forgot they weren't in service at that point, as they were yet to be designed. Oh yeah, yeah, no, it's and, yes, and they're introduced like yeah, like in in the mid eighties, I believe. Yeah, so uh, my my two found knowledge let me down there. Uh, <laughs> there's Shit. one particular fan who. You like to point it out very frequently on, on Facebook. <laughs> I got it wrong. Oh no! <laughs> I just put, oh, let it go, Ahab. <laughs> that's what you know. That's what you got to say. Oh yeah. Uh, oh, a wizard did it or something, right? <laughs> yeah. I think I, I think I said. Oh, it was a prototype. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. <laughs> We're testing it out. <laughs> I mean, I always talk like I feel like I've like I've explained my own times where I found inconsistencies of just being like, listen, the the, the thing about Dread's world is that it's riddled with time paradoxes anyway. Like, yeah, <laughs> you know, this is the it's it's the same world as flesh where they're slaughtering millions of dinosaurs in the past, causing untold butterfly effects. Mm. So from comic to comic, the time stream can be slightly different. You know, it's just sort yes, of yes, yeah. Speaking of which, I also um. I feel like the the models in this um, special have kind of a Halo Jones kind of look to them, which might just be because they're by Ian Gibson. Oh, yes. A little bit of like that. So I've got a partial head canon of like a later – some of the later volumes of, of Halo Jones for going back in time to do some arms dealing um, yeah. in, the, in, the pa- in her past, you know? <laughs> like, like the Radiation Cloak one especially has got a very Halo Jones look to mm. it to me. And I love that it ends with the uh, with the killdozer, the big vehicle from uh, the Cursed Earth oh, story. Oh yes, that was Favorite. also a Hot Wheels car and stuff. I love that. I thing. had the toy. Yes, I've, I've still got the toy actually. Oh, that's amazing! I love that. I've seen like mm. I even like like just doing the show. People have sent me pictures of like their their kids playing with 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 the killdozer <laughs> and stuff. It's like oh, that's mm. awesome. Yeah, I had one. <laughs> just these. These things living, to, you know, just just casually appearing. These these um, images of these ta- of these ridiculous uh, Judge Dredd stories. Mm. I love that they put one in the Judge Minty fan film. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, those guys. 
we've had um um Steve Green who did some of the 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 effects on our on 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 the show here. He's a he's a good friend of mine. Yeah, they're they love their all this stuff like for the uh for the Stronti like just all the stuff they all, all the little Easter eggs in Judge Minty and and in the Strontium Dog film are just really great mm-hmm. if you sort of know you know have a have a deep thrill knowledge or whatever to be yeah. able, to, able to say like whoa like I know that I know that smiling Chuck Walla that's ridiculous. That takes us to our final story of the special, Thrill 7, Tyranny Rex. Mm. She's green. She she changes, doesn't she? Sometimes she's green, sometimes she's flesh-colored Tyranny Rex. Yeah, definitely. I feel like the character is always in flux, especially in these early days. Mm. I think, of just, yeah, what she's supposed to be, what she's supposed to do. Yes, uh, script robot John Smith, of course, art robot Steve Sampson, letting robot Tom Frame. Um not sure about the art in this one, but this is uh, Steve Sampson's first work for 2000 AD. We'll next see him doing uh, Brits at Babes for the uh, Judge Red magazine. Um, and this seems to be a tale of Tyranny Rex's life uh, pre-convent. I think in the continuity mm-hmm. now, we're sort of after Soft Bodies, where, she's, where she got herself to a nunnery after uh, complicated artistic events. Uh, mm. And so this seems to be part of her earlier life where she's a, 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 a classy mercenary traveling the, yeah. the, the spaceways. Isn't it beautifully uh, 80s? It's, it's, I mean, this strip in itself is like a time capsule of the 80s. It's got a lot of those, like, I don't know what you call it, but like, like the paintings in the background are, have a ton of like – like I really associate with yeah, like like what would be in a trendy apartment in the night, you know, in, in in a TV show set in the eighties. You know, there's all these yeah. bright pastels and things like that. Mm. Put it in in a specific these like colorful marbles and stuff like that. Yeah, her clothes as well is great eighties fashion. Definitely, and I think maybe it's just because the story starts with this um, caricature of a Marlon Brando from The Godfather, but. I kind of assume all the characters here are based on various famous people that I, I don't identify because of my own cultural liter- illiteracy, but it must be. I mean, Charity herself is familiar, but I can't quite put my finger on it. Yeah, I mean, a lot of these are like, oh, I think I know that person, but I can't. Yeah, exactly. It's hard for me mm-hmm. to, to figure it out. Um, but the story starts with uh, Don Galino lecturing a man tied to the wall. Yeah, again, based on Marlon Brando, the Godfather, of course. Um, and um, it seems a senior employee, Mr. Androsi, has betrayed him and started some kind of fashion-based clan war between the different mafia families. <laughs> the Dunn kills this guy with a baseball bat and then hires Tyranny Rex to take out the leaders of the other clans. <laughs> um, Tyranny counts her money and then explains to us that on this planet, uh, Hirochan... The organ- organized crime has taken over the fashion racket, and the four, the uh, and the five families are now also the five, the five fashion houses, and four mm-hmm. of those houses have organized to freeze out the Galinos, and he wants revenge, basically. So to take out the heads of the families, Tyranny Rex springs into action as she does, which is basically uh, winning over horny dudes with her awesome lizard lady good looks, <laughs> and she- soon she's hired to be a model in the big fashion show. A lot of like squeezing butts and charming people with her black hair that just came out of a uh, out of a dye bottle and things like that. Mm. Uh, to cover her assassination attempt, the Galinos unleash a pretty cool looking um, Godfather esque like uh, murder montage, basically. Yep. 
a lot of um like yeah like like uh uh, uh there's exploding uh a hush so someone gets a hush puppy an exploding dog uh someone gets shot in the way to the opera there's a pretty um cool picture of just an old lady getting a uh, garroted and stuff like that it's good times uh, and finally it's the day of the fashion show um again really interesting art here as we see these different like uh clan fathers sort of in in among these crap like uh as just floating heads in front of these silhouettes of goons. And there's like a mixed media collage also of just sort of, um, I guess like contemporary fashion models standing there along with tyranny as she hides a gun in her bra and stuff like that. Um, eventually she heads out, pulls her gun. And as the, uh, fashion photographers, uh, uh, click away, she kills all of the, um, all of the five families. Your mission is complete. <laughs> She escapes. She escapes, but she never got the other half of her assassination fee. All she got was some nice, what was some nice dresses. And the Don got a hush puppy, which we learned earlier means that it's about to explode and kill him too. Yes. <laughs> and with and finishing up with a quick ad for the ZX Sinclair Spectrum, and then oh, a, yes. a, a couple video game ads for sort of you know I don't know. I love the ads. Pages aren't. If I could be wrong. Oh, no, that's it. Mind you, there's a signature, isn't there, on the bottom half of it? No, it's not Keith Page. It looks like an MAC? Yeah. Hmm. Never mind. Oh, I don't know. It's I love seeing all these ads, though. It's always It's been a real look into, like, the times, <laughs> seeing yes. commercials are for and things. It's so it's so alien to me, both as an American and here in, uh, you know, in, in 2020, <laughs> to kind of get a sense of, of, of what life's like. Yes, and then, then finally, oh, a right. Steve Cook design, I assume. Yes, yeah, final uh, 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 Steve Cook in the back in the final image, uh, gray, red, and black. With uh, it says "War bombs dropping," one with the skull and crossbones, saying "I win." <laughs> Good. There we go. Oh, my torture is over. With <laughs> special. Oh well, thank you so much. Yes, we've no, no. <laughs> the end of this 1989 winter special, and I can't thank you enough for for coming on and talking about it. Uh, oh yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. Before we go, though, I I, I must ask: Do you have a, uh, a a favorite story from this special, and perhaps a uh, a least favorite one? Uh, let's, well, obviously, the least favorite is mine because it just <laughs> brings back too many painful memories of being rubbish at drawing. Uh, it's really it is quite it is agony to look at. I have to admit, so embarrassing. <laughs> anyway, but. I, I I go I I like to think I got past it I survived. <laughs> yeah. Our, you know, yeah. my, my career survived. Certainly, my career survived somehow, <laughs> and it should, by rights it should have ended. And we, you know, upon this publication, uh, I don't think so. I think it's fine. It's, I think it's like I had a lot of fun with this one, honestly, and I I think you did a um a a really good job actually of picking up where uh, where Steve Dillon. Um, 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 left off. Like I could def, I could identify the characters that were continuing on, which I think is important. And You're several, very kind. And some of the action scenes are 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 really great. Just like a lot of like just rogue taking on masses of people and stuff. That's what I'm. It's 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 what I'm looking for in rogue troopers. So I can't like complain too much. I suppose. <laughs> uh, but but favorites. I think the Arthur Ransom one is my favorite. Nice. Yeah, I mean, it's not, there's not a duff panel in it. It's it's great. I definitely agree with you on that, and it's an excellent just a Christmas story as well for yeah. this um, for this winter special. Yeah, and he's a lovely book as well. 
you know, he's, he's always really kind about me as well. Uh, whenever um, he's always really um, uh, bigged me up in interviews and stuff like that, which I really appreciate. Oh, nice! Yeah, and he gave me a page, and he gave me a page of Button Man for free for nothing. Oh, that's amazing! I know how how kind is that? Definitely. Oh, I can't wait to get to Button Man. That's one of the ones. Oh really yeah, that's great. Counting counting the time down to, I'm very excited about. Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. I think I might have just have some of the filler for my bottom, like the uh, the 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 Arms Buyers catalog. I think just being a reprint of filler is really the greatest sin. <laughs> yeah, opinion. especially as only five years old as well. <laughs> just yeah, I just. When I look at something and say, oh, I remember this. No, what's going on? It's, it's, it's a real bummer. <laughs> yeah. But it's uh, if you haven't seen it, it's got some nice Ian Gibson drawings. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Definitely big of its era. Mm. Awesome. Any uh, any final thoughts on the 89 uh, special? Wanna... Uh, not really. Just there. <laughs> Just glad to get it behind me, really. <laughs> well, I, I, I hope us, uh, dr- I, I, I hope dredging up this, uh, the, these old stories hasn't hasn't damaged you too much. No, no, this, uh, it's 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 quite painful. As I say, I, I I hate everything up until killing time. Really, I know we're we're close to that, and I know. If- it's, I'll come back and talk about Killing Time when you get to that. Oh, excellent. I'll take you up on that. Yes, it's one I've really liked. I know a, a lot of people like as well. And so I definitely would love to hear insights on that for sure. Yeah, yeah, that'd be fun. That'd definitely. be fun. I'd be much more confident about <laughs> uh, talking about that. Absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying, it, you know, it, it's it's great and thing, but I, th- I think that's the first of my artwork I'm, I'm, I'm proud of, really. I definitely, yeah, I can definitely. Even though I can still see all its flaws and stuff, <laughs> I think it's, I, I think it's good to, to yeah, to, to have that kind, yeah, to have that kind of a, a, a self reflection. But I think it's also good to, yeah, take take pride in your work. I know, um, I've I've really enjoyed your stuff so far, and we're just sort of. I, oh, thank know, you very much. It's very kind. In Space Spitter, we're just in the dawn of Chris Weston, so I'm excited to see yeah. how how it all progresses. You know, I was a young, young man. I was twenty. <laughs> I had I had uh, it, it, it was, it's it's quite a uh, I had a lot going on a lot, a lot of drinking going on <laughs> and Absolutely. dating and stuff. Definitely awesome. I was, I was young, free, and single in those days. <laughs> Fantastic. Anyway, I, I hope everybody who li- listening enjoyed the show. As always, you can find Space Spinner two thousand on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, Spotify. Or a podcast site, spacepitter2000.com. Feel free to contact us at spacepitter2000 at gmail.com, the 2000 forums, or our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages on Twitter at spacepitter2k. For everything else, look up Space Spinner 2000. You find us there. Chris Weston, thank you once again so, so much for coming on the show. Oh, um, you're welcome. Is, where can we uh, find you on the internet if you'd like to be found? Oh, mostly Twitter. I mean, I do have a. Uh, a website was it, is it chriswestonartist.com but it's not I don't really hang out on my website much it's more like that's more like a, a glorified business card to be honest <laughs> but uh, you can usually find me moaning about the government on Twitter or, or uh, pr- uh, promoting my stuff yeah at a at a at Western Front on Twitter I know. I'm a big follower. So, you know, how we set up this show. I don't know. Oh, absolutely. 
Um, and then everyone come back next week as we hold the 1989 Spinnies. We're uh, our, our year in review show. We're looking at the best art, writing, overall thrill, MVP, and favorite month of progs for the year 1989. It's been some great stuff. I'm excited to hear what you, me, and everyone else thinks about it. Until then, I'm Godred, he's Chris Weston, and we are Space Spinner 2000 Splendid Birthrig! Oh.